everybody to another episode of can you dig it a podcast by the silver screen and roll network i'm your host as always jacob rude joining me this week a new guest a long overdue guest my good friend writes over at lakers outsiders alex torres alex buddy how you handling that heat wave out there uh surviving surviving is the word that, that comes to mind uh, but i'm doing good doing good uh, happy to be here this is we we were talking about this beforehand. This is when my uh, back and forth with California natives uh, about the weather. Uh, right now, it is a balmy seventy eight degrees at my house. I've had the air conditioner on, just too too hot for me to even possibly consider stepping outside. Uh, now, when winter comes around, you guys will get your last laugh, as it will be seven degrees here with like a negative 10 wind chill and you guys will be 60 degrees. So, uh, but right now I'm going to laugh at you guys a little bit because I can, I can go outside and, and not feel like I'm melting. (laughs) Unlike uh, life in California right now, speaking of melting, the Lakers trade options for Russell Westbrook are melting away. What a transition. You like that that segue? Wow. Nice. Very nice. Uh, Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland on the surface doesn't seem like something that would impact the Lakers, but uh, it very much did because middle of last week, it based on some reporting and just kind of the sense around the league, it seemed like Donovan Mitchell was going to go to the Knicks and the Lakers were going to be the third team in that deal, uh, bringing in a number of contracts I believe Eric Pincus at Bleacher Report mentioned uh, something like Evan Fournier, Bojan Bogdanovic, Cam Reddish would be the names coming back to the Lakers. That's done. So I'll start off general with this. What was just your reaction to Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland? Yeah, I feel like um, Cleveland came out of nowhere, right? I just felt like... Oh, yeah. You know, it was like, I didn't even know they were in the mix to begin with. So seeing that was like, okay, well, there's a move. And then you see what they gave back for uh, Donovan. It's kind of like, well, that, that's it. You know, I mean, I know there's some picks in it. Don't get me wrong. But the players going back, and granted, one of them was a draft pick. I just felt like when you look in, in comparison to what the Knicks were offering, I was kind of surprised. Um, and basically, again, this is all reporting. I understand it's all rumors. But, you know, I was kind of surprised that Utah picked – you know, Cleveland's offer over, over New York. So obviously uh, we don't know all the details, but yeah, just very surprised. And I, I really like Cleveland. You know, I think that it truly uh, somebody as established as Donovan Mitchell to go in that team that was so young and promising this last season, um, you know, with Jared Allen and uh, Evan Mobley manning the front court. Now you got Darius Scarlett and Donovan Mitchell in the back court. I mean, you really, uh, you know, have to be very excited for them next season. Yeah. Cleveland is trying to buck two different types of trends here. They say you can't win with small guards and they have two of them. And then they have two centers as well on the court with (laughs) Mobley and Allen. But I'm excited to see that team. It's going to be a fun team. Absolutely miserable to consider the fact that the Lakers were um, kind of at the will of Danny Ainge, because it seems 
as you said, we don't really have the reporting. We're just kind of going off what has happened since. But it seems like the Knicks basically didn't think the Jazz had other options and dared them to go find a different trade. Didn't think that one existed. Surprise, one existed. And uh, Utah takes that offer. And so the Lakers are kind of left in the dust. Um, Now, they're left in the dust in the sense that they can't be part of a three-team deal. What what did you think of that package? Or the four, if it was Fournier, Bogdanovich, and Reddish, what were, what was your thoughts on bringing those three in? You know, I think at this point, at the this point of the offseason and going into the season here in October, you have to kind of you know beggars can't be choosers, right? So that yeah. package uh, was I thought you know you turn Russ into those valuable players who are going to be you know role players coming off the bench. We're going to be able to produce, um, that, you know, some of the things that we just don't have, which is some wing depth. Obviously, Bogdanovich, you know, a little, little bigger on, in, in size wise, but um, Evan Fournier can shoot the ball pretty well here and there. Uh, so it was, it was like I said, when you look in comparison to having Russ on the, on the roster, you know, it just seems like okay, we can live with that. Let's run with it. You know, that'll work for Braun and AD. Um, obviously, if we kind of put into the perspective the Indiana deal or projected Indiana deal. I would prefer that one if we're being honest, but uh, at this point I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> if you just told me that the Lakers were going to come away with Fournier, uh, Bogdanovich and Reddish in May or June, I probably wouldn't have been thrilled with it. Uh, if you tell me that kind of, as you said, in beginning of September, end of August, um, <laughs> I'm I'm not thrilled with it, but I mean, it's something. And there are parts of that that are worth exploring. I do think there is some value. I saw somebody mention this. I actually saw it on Reddit. It was a tweet. Uh, I'll see if I can find it while I'm talking. But the idea of it was basically that um, some of these things you're kind of looking at in a vacuum when it comes to like bringing in Bogdanovich, bringing in Fournier. Um, but it's the idea of putting those guys next to LeBron and AD and what they can open up for this Lakers offense, because I mean, there's the blueprint of the bubble season when you have Danny green or KCP, just reliable three point shooters that the defense has to respect. Uh, It opens everything up offensively and the Lakers have kind of been trying to find something close to that and replicate that. Um, since that trade really or since that bubble season uh and so i can understand why there's some appeal um i'm not i'm not crazy necessarily about either guy i think either guy or both guys had kind of taken steps back and were there were better options i would hope i guess the one since the lakers would have I mean, both those are far more tradable contracts than Russ would be potentially at the deadline. I guess the good news in some sense is the Jazz, a version of a Jazz trade could still be on the table. Uh, Bogdanovich is still there. There are a number of big contracts they have that they're very clearly tanking at this point. There's no shot they want all these veterans around. You have guys like Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, obviously, just going off their cap sheet, Malik Beasley, Jordan Clarkson, 
Rudy Gay. Um, do any of those names jump out? Is there a package there that you think the Lakers could or should do a deal for? Yeah, I mean, obviously the first thing that stands out to me is Jordan Clarkson. Just, you know, I think. Uh, bring young, him home. Yeah, bring him home. The younger of that group, he's been here already. Um, and just, you know, obviously his his role has, has proven himself as a sixth man coming off the bench. So would love to have that scoring option to, you know, once Braun and, and AD go and take a rest, a breather. So that's the first thing to me that just makes a lot of sense, you know, you know, bring him back home. Um, I think, you know, he would love to be back in L.A., um, and then, you know, kind of Rudy Gay intrigues me a little bit because, again, he's another big wing that, you know, that we desperately need. Obviously, he's uh, up there in age, but can he kind of have that, you know, revival one year uh, with the Lakers this year? Possibly, um, you know, and, and that's something that, that truly intrigues me. And um, Malik Beasley kind of also, I feel like, depending on his, I don't know if he's still having off the court issues, but if he's not, I mean, I think he's another guy who, brings a lot of value who quite frankly, we just don't have, I mean, we just traded away Stanley Johnson and THT to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've given up some of the debt to get Patrick Beverly. So we need some bodies out there to come into the supporting role, be able to knock down some outside threes. We desperately need that shooting. So that's why Bogdan comes into play there as well. I mean, I think any combination of those three or four players I'd take in a heartbeat, you know, I would, I would do so immediately tomorrow. There. <laughs> I think I mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Malik Beasley aspect that um, maybe hasn't been discussed, and this wouldn't stop a deal, uh, but Malik Beasley and Scottie Pippen Jr. on the same team um, <laughs> probably isn't going to work. Uh, I, I don't oh, think man. you would. Yeah, I don't think you would stop a deal for a two-way player. Uh, it's an aspect that's hilarious, but... Um, I don't think that would work, wow. but Malik Beasley has some, as you said, some off court issues right now that might hold up him, uh, from being traded. Now, as you were saying names, I was putting them together in a, a deal. Does Rudy Gay, I mean, financially this works. Does Rudy Gay, Bojan Bogdanovic and Jordan Clarkson for Russ, is that a deal that you would do? Yeah, and that gives that gives the Lakers, as you've been saying, two wings, Rudy Gay and Bogdanovich, that they didn't they have not had wings, even dating back to the team they that won the title. They didn't really have any wings on that team. Uh Danny Green was as close as it got. And I know that was a big worry Christian always had when we were potting back then, is that if they match up with Kawhi and PG, they do not have the size to guard those guys. Fortunately, Kawhi and PG no showed um, in the playoffs. So, uh, but there are versions. I mean, what do you think of Mike Conley? Because that's going to be a name that's going to be discussed. He's the biggest contract on Utah. Um, he has two years left. He's coming in at twenty-two million. Is there any intrigue in trading for him? Um, I, I I'm a little concerned with his injury history. So just the fact that he hasn't been on the floor as much. He's consistently been having these little injuries that continuously, you know take him off the floor, which is what the Lakers need at this point. Uh, obviously, last season's trend was what? They're, oh, the Lakers are too old or too old. You know, they can't stay on the floor. So to kind of, you know, that's what really would put some thought into my head as far as moving forward with um, Conley. But, you know, when he is healthy, when he is on the floor, I mean, I think 
he would be easily, you know, such a great addition from a point guard's perspective. I know uh, Pat Bev is there, but, you know, he's not a ball-dominant guard. He's going to, you know, obviously play defense, be, you know, super annoying to the opposing team. But, you know, Conley can initiate the offense, Conley, and can shoot the ball pretty well. Um, so, yeah, they, there is some intrigue there. And, again, it's but there's a lot of ifs with it. So I would probably hold off on that just because, again, we need wings. So, you know, I sound like I need to go to Wingstop after this because, um, you know, that's what the Lakers need to do as well because that's what they need. There's one right down the road for me. I might You might be subliminally talking me into getting some <laughs> after this podcast. It'd be interesting to see how the negotiations would go. To Conley's credit, he played 72 games last year, which is way more than I would have thought, but that was okay. only the second time he's played over 70 games since the 2014-15 season. So, yeah. and it it's only 70 and 72 games in that span. So it injuries are, and that's very much what my concern would be, are the injuries. Last season, averaged 13.7 points, 5.3 assists, did shoot 40.8% from three. Uh, he's someone that, as his career has gone on, he's gotten seemingly better and better from three. Um, since that 2014-15 season, he's a 38% three-point shooter. Um, he shot over 40% each of the last two seasons. Uh, all those are, are very intriguing because the Lakers didn't have guys that could really – they had guys that could shoot. You had Wayne Ellington and, and whatnot, but they didn't have two-way players that could shoot, and Conley's still good enough to be on the floor. It would be interesting to see, though, as I was saying in negotiations, if they agree to take on a Mike Conley, are they able to get someone like Jared Vanderbilt, who everyone seems – I, I'm going to be honest. I ha, I didn't. I haven't watched a ton of him, but uh, the consensus seems to be that he's a a valuable young player. You mentioned the Lakers don't have a lot of young talent. He's 23 years old. Um, maybe a Nikhil Alexander Walker. He's much, I think he's much more kind of a lottery ticket, but he's still 24 years old. If they so if they take on a a Conley and really help them with their cap situation, do they try to get someone younger? Ultimately, there are pieces there that are intriguing um to work on a deal uh i was trying to look up rudy gay he shot he only shot 34 percent from three last season i thought it was pretty low i didn't realize it was that low even then i would probably take him just because as you've been saying he is he's six eight and the lakers don't have many guys that are kind of in that height range the reason we're focusing so much on Utah is because that seems to be it for the Lakers at this point. Uh, the Pacers have just kind of lingered around all off season. I don't know how I would think if either side were really serious about doing a deal, it'd be done. And the only deal that right. we've heard is that Russ and two picks for buddy miles and Daniel Tice, which is, why no <laughs> there's no shot um so if that's kind of where the negotiations stand I, the pacers probably aren't too serious about doing that deal now outside of that i don't really know what exists is there anybody else you think i mean the knicks have kind of been around too and maybe they look elsewhere now that Donovan Mitchell isn't a deal. Is it? I mean, do you think there's anywhere else the Lakers can look at this point? You know, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, uh, the options are slim at this point. And you know, kind of going back to to Utah real quick. You know, you, you know, you know, good old Danny Ainge, the the pick quarter that he is. 
is going to demand some picks from us, even if we do that rest trade, which is a salary match, right? Um, so it, that's when, you you know, you do bring up Jared Vanderbilt. I think that one makes sense, especially if we're giving up picks, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because it just doesn't make sense for us to, you know, we're dumping Russ and um, he's going to want picks back. That's just a fact. Uh, but going on to, to anybody else in the league right now, I mean, I, I wish I could, you know, you're in Indiana. Can you go over there to, to the <laughs> Pacers and can you make something happen for us? Because it's getting desperate. Um, it doesn't seem, and I think I, I saw a tweet somewhere that says something like, it doesn't make sense for Indiana to, to do anything now. They, they could wait until the trade deadline and, you know, have their pick of options, not just have to be forced to do a, a rush trade. So that made a lot of sense to me, gave me, you know, gave me a little bit of a anxiety and kind of just made me realize you know, the slim pickings. Um, and with the Knicks, I think a, a 13 would have to be involved, right? So it's difficult to see where the Knicks would, would on go with this. Um, you know, I think we're, we're going to help him facilitate a deal to get them, you know, get somebody of value. Uh, but who those players, you know, who that player is, who knows? Um, but I mean, I know Cam Reddish has been such a talked about, you know, player. I mean, he was a lottery pick. You're talking about young guy. I love, I personally would love him just because he's young. He's a wing. And hopefully with Handy and, and Coach Ham, you know, we'll do something with them. But um, I think the Knicks would be the only other team barring, you know, I'm not barring, I'm sorry, um, hoping that they found somebody else there too, that they would be intrigued with. We should have prefaced this episode. Most people are probably going to listen to this on Labor Day. You don't have to work. Everybody should have taken a drink every time we said wing. Uh, and can be really inebriated by the end of this. It's fair, though. I mean, that's everybody that the Lakers have been. All these trades have been for those types of guys. So you can look at the Knicks. I don't know that they would have much motivation to even do a deal at this point unless they really want to get off long-term money. If you put Fournier in the trade, if you put Cam Reddish in the trade, which, look, I've watched Cam Reddish for a while. I was a Duke fan when he was there. I watched him at Atlanta. I watched him with the Knicks. I don't see it. Uh, I see I see the potential. The idea of Cam Reddish and what he could become is intriguing. Um, it, I, I don't know that he's ever going to realize that. Now, perhaps the Lakers feel that their kind of player development uh, with Phil Handy, with their G league staff with their coaching staff, um, which still I don't think has been fully announced yet, but maybe they feel that they can kind of unlock him. I don't know, but the Lakers seem super enamored with him. It is a very random player to be linked to so heavily at this point in the season. But if you put Fournier, you put Cam Reddish in the trade, you're going to have to look at someone like a Derrick Rose to make the cap work, um, which the Lakers have liked Derrick Rose. They've kind of sniffed around for a while about trading for him. Um, it would work financially. Again, I don't know. I mean, that's the Knicks giving up two rotation pieces just to have cap space next year. Um, unless they're really big game hunting, I, I don't know why they would do that. Julius Randle exists, but I can't imagine either side is probably – the Lakers yeah. or Randall uh, interested in trying to smooth things over there with the way he left. So, yeah, I think the Knicks are off the table, which, as you've kind of said, at that point leaves, I don't know what, um, 
There isn't much. The Hornets don't have the need to clear cap space now with the situation going on there with Miles Bridges. Um, the Pacers are are kind of in this holding pattern. It, it makes more sense for them to wait to the deadline. And those were the, the big teams mentioned. Um, the Spurs were mentioned as a third team in the Nets trade. I don't ever see Popovich just doing a one-for-one with the Lakers, and they don't really have the expire or the, the the players to make it interesting. Um, Doug McDermott's going to be their highest paid player this season. So thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the thunder maybe just sending Russ home, but they don't really have anybody. They don't have veterans. (laughs) Like it's Derek favors and uh, nothing else. I mean, maybe with how much cap space they have, I don't know what their situation is. I don't think that trade works straight up. It does not. Um, they would need another $12 million in contracts, and that is just piecing together a lot of young players, so it, it really quickly doesn't make sense. So it's re- it really feels like it's Utah or bust, which means it seems more likely as well that Russ is going to come back with the team. So we're going to take a break here in a second. When we come back, we'll talk about whether that's even a feasible option, because it seems like the most as realistic as it has been all off season that that could happen. So to Darvin Ham's credit, he's spent since the moment he got the job talking about Russ's role with the team. He said at his intro press conference, Russ was going to be on this team. I I don't know that he believed that at the time. I don't know that the Lakers believe that at the time, but this is kind of why you say that so that there is some type of goodwill built up there, whatever it means. I don't think Russ is naive enough to think that the Lakers haven't been actively trying to trade him all summer, but it seems more likely than ever. We're less than a month out from training camp. Russ is still on this team. I mean, ultimately, if you had to guess right now, is Russ going to be on this team at the start of training camp? I'd be like at, I'm almost like 85% sure that number zero will be on wearing purple and gold at the beginning of training camp. And I would have never believed that with how his exit interview went, how last season ended. Uh I don't know that I disagree, though, because Danny Ainge kind of has a, a lot of the uh, leverage in that trade. And as you said, the pick hoarder, he's going to want as much as he can possibly get. So there's a lot of subplots that then come up if Russ is on this team. Russ and Pat Bev have apparently spoken since the trade. We don't know what they talked about. There are... There has not been a longer mortal enemy for Russ than Pat Bev. Do you think that those two can even coexist together on a team? You know, the the easy answer is no, right? I mean, no, they can't coexist. I mean, just there's too much history there. There's too, there was too much said, you know, and, and it was personal. It wasn't just, oh, that the heat of the game competitive. No, this was, hey, you know, they, they had some harsh words for each other. So that makes me believe right away, say no. Uh, obviously, uh, will they try to make it work? Of course. I mean, it's just obviously there's no other option here. So, you know, you would imagine, you know, I think a lot of us thought, okay, we're getting Beverly. This means we're trading Russ for sure. Here we are X amount of days later. We're still here. Shout out to my guy, Donnie. Uh, he was very optimistic 
and was trying to speak it into existence, but it just didn't happen. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it plays out at the beginning, right? Especially if there's a missed defensive assignment or if there's a, you know, kind of, you know, blown winning game layup by Pat or by Russ or something like that. That's just going to boil everything over. And next thing you know, we have drama like there's no tomorrow. So that's going to be probably the fun part for a lot of the people, not for us Lakers fans, uh, to see how that kind of goes as the season goes along. This was back in 2019. Russ was on the Rockets. The now infamous. This was after a game where James Harden scored 47 in a win. Quote, Pat Bev trick y'all, man. Like he play in defense. He don't guard nobody, man. It's just running around doing nothing. All that commotion to get 47. Uh, Yeah, <laughs> there is. It, it, it is not a heat of the moment thing, as you said. Those two do not like it. Uh, Pat Bev did shoot that down. Um, quote, don't start that. Don't start that. I don't care about that when asked about it. Look, it, it's very funny. We had this discussion last year. It was in training camp, I believe. Whenever Rondo was signed. I can't remember exactly when Rondo was signed. We had to have stories about whether Russ and Rondo could coexist. It is hilarious that uh, annually the Lakers have to consider whether Russ can coexist with a free agent signing because he beefs with them. That is in some ways the epitome of Russ as a basketball player, uh, that everything just intensity wise is on another level and there's pros with that and there's cons with that. Uh, the Lakers have had to deal with some of the cons potentially. I was like a lot of people. I thought the minute they traded for Pat Bev, that was kind of a first domino that they had something else lined up and that Russ was going to be gone. Here we are. He, Pat Bev's been a Laker for over a week now and the Lakers seem maybe further than ever from a Russ trade. Uh, they certainly have as few options as they've had. There is a scenario where they don't have to coexist. Do the Lakers, do you think, they John Wall, Russell Westbrook, and just send them home and say, we're going to try to find a trade for you, but don't show up until that happens. You know, initially you would think, yeah, that would be the smart way to go, just from a, you know, avoiding a toxic locker room, right? You don't want to go into a season and uh, have that type of, you know, kind of going around the, the air, if you will, kind of just that negativity that, hey, you know, we all know we don't want you here. And we're just kind of waiting for the right partner to come into play. Uh, but I don't even kind of look, can the Lakers even afford that? I mean, they're so thin roster wise. I mean, they're going to have to play some, some of the young guys that just came out on the team who were undrafted or who they drafted this year. Max Christie comes into mind and uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. Stuff like that. Um, do they even have the people? Because, you know, you look at Russ's stats last year, you know, he's still, well, at the very least, as Genie Buzz said, it was the most consistent Lakers as far as just playing, right? He played the most games. Um, so can the Lakers even afford to not have him on the roster and, and on the floor? So that would be my first thing uh, to kind of ponder about that would be, you know, even if, though it's gonna, not going to necessarily, necessarily work from an X's and O standpoint, the fact of the matter is he's going to play. And that's better than nothing. That's better than zero, which is ironic. But yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Right <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I, it is very ironic. Um, 
look that they that's the the kind of the main counter argument is that the Lakers aren't good enough to have someone of his I mean his he's still talented Russ is he's just as as bad of a fit as you could possibly have with what the Lakers have on their roster um and the argument is the Lakers aren't talented enough to afford to sit that guy to just send him home so I don't know. Is it worth? It seems by most reports that Russ made things kind of toxic last season. Uh, that he was just kind of openly refusing to do what the coaching staff wanted him to do. Uh, and that the Lakers were like so worried uh, to bench him because they thought they might lose him entirely. That's not the type of atmosphere you want. And maybe someone like Darvin Ham. Um, he's been referred to as a player's coach. He's someone that certainly connects to the players a lot more than maybe a Frank Vogel did. Maybe he can connect to Russ in a way to get him to buy in in certain ways that Russ did last season. I don't know if it's going to play out like it did last season, kind of behind the scenes. Um, I don't know that you can afford to not John Wall him. Like if he's going to make things toxic, and you have the extra or the addition of Patrick Beverly, who isn't going to sit behind and or sit back and just let him make things toxic. Kind of as you said, uh, what happens on the first missed defensive rotation where Patrick Beverly rotates and Russ doesn't, and Patrick Beverly calls out Russ on that? How's that going to go over? Because I don't think it's going to go over well. Um, so is Russ going to be receptive to being held? accountable which is something he wasn't always like he wasn't really held accountable at least publicly last season it's behind the scenes they could say things during film room but Patrick Beverly isn't going to be someone that does things behind the scenes so I don't know if he's going to be be receptive to that I think if the Lakers do bring him back and he is going to be playing you have to bring him off the bench from the get-go you have to I don't think he can fit in that starting lineup. What If he's there, if the Lakers roster is as is, can you start Russ, Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD, Thomas Bryant? Is that, I mean, does that lineup work? Is it better to start Patrick Beverly, Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD, and Thomas Bryant? I think it is. I think it, it fits better. Thomas Bryant or uh, excuse me, Pat Bev and Austin Reeves are going to do a lot of the dirty work and um, they're going to compete defensively. Do Could you see a scenario where Russ isn't the starter this season? Absolutely. You know, and like you said, it, it makes sense from a X's and O standpoint to have him come off the bench, be that, you know, scoring weapon that he is and, you know, I was just looking at his stats while you were talking now, and, you know, he averaged 18-7-7. and seven. That's not bad, you know? And, and Yeah. Which is usually what I tell myself when I'm trying to make a, <laughs> uh, tra- a, a trade recommendation. Like, I hope these other teams are noticing that. That wasn't that bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think in talking about all these different scenarios and all these different what-ifs, you know, is the most likely thing that can happen for Russ to let go of his ego, say, hey, you know what? This has been a, you know, pardon my French, a, you know, poop show. 
Yes. Shit <laughs> Sorry. Um, and maybe I just need to acclimate myself better to this team. What can I do that? Coming off the bench, it's, you know, I might not be the shooter or, you know, that they need, but hey, I'm going to continue to drive to the basket, continue to dish it out and play good defense. Because I think one of the things from last year, and you kind of touched on a little bit was, I think it was that Nets game where he just completely lost Patty Mills, right? Just no excuse, lost (laughs) him. He hits the game winner and it's over, right? And it's that lackluster effort on the defensive end. Like, okay, you're not a top defender. That's fine. But if you're just trying out there and you're trying to help the team win and he's able to let go of that ego, hey, I'm not the star anymore. I'm not the triple-double guy anymore. This team doesn't need that. And does he change his mentality and say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to do whatever it takes for this team. Like, and that's where you kind of, put into question is that even an option like is that something that he's going to be able to you know let go of that ego and say or is you know which is the most logical one if you ask me obviously it's easier for me to say granted i'm not in his position but i think you know he he could still be very valuable to us if he just accepted his role if he just became the player we need him to become so you know yeah he and on paper or in theory or on a podcast, like all that makes sense. And and that's what you would need him to be. But he literally at um, exit interviews last season said, I didn't average a triple double. So it wasn't a successful season. So his mindset could not be further away from where you would want him to be. I agree a hundred percent that if he could be that guy off the bench, he can be the energy guy. He can play at his high intensity he can run the show however he wants for yep. 20, 25 minutes a night, and then he's not on the court when it matters. You have Patrick Beverly out there. You have other guys out there. Like, in theory, all that makes sense, but it takes a lot for guys to kind of have this reality check in the NBA. It's rare for guys to kind of accept that they're no longer the guy. I mean, the the example I keep coming back to is Carmelo Anthony. He had to be out of the league for a whole season when it was clear he could still play. He had to be out of the league for a whole year before he kind of realized the changes he needed to make and be willing to accept before he could come back and extend his career and have a great run the final three years, maybe more if he signed this year of his career. Is Russ capable of learning that on the fly? is because he's still like Mello was, he's still talented enough to be in the NBA. Um, He just has to change how he plays. And that's what people have been asking him to do for years and years and years and doing so unsuccessfully. So I don't know that it's coming and it's, it's just such an interesting dynamic right now that unfortunately I would find fascinating if I was looking at it from afar it's under our nose and it's the Lakers and fascinating is not the word I would use to describe it. Uh, Something closer to horrifying is is about where I feel right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how the, the Lakers handle this situation, how Russ handles this situation. If they all do come into camp in late September and they're and Russ is still on this team because it can't play out like it did last season. Um, I don't think they'll John Wall him. And I mean, they hired Jeff. He hired Jeff Schwartz as his agent. He's the buyout master. Like he has a, a long list of guys who he's worked in buyouts with, but the Lakers don't want that. Like he Russ is still ha- will have value as an expiring contract. So the Lakers, I don't see buying him out. So 
I right now all signs point to heading into the season with Russ as an active member of this roster. And boy, if you'd have told me that in again, the moment the exit interview ended last year, like I thought there was a 200% chance he was gone. There was no way this, this was going to happen that they were going to run it back. Shout out to Harrison for all his run it back videos. He sent all summer because right now it seems like the Lakers are going to run it back. And man, I, what a, what a wild, wild ride this is. Uh, hopefully we have three more weeks before roughly three more weeks before training camp will start. Um, maybe they can find a deal before then. guess we'll find out. One last thing we can touch on here. Something I wrote about uh, over the weekend. If you guys did not see it, it's over on Silver Screen and Roll right now. Uh, the title was, Is the door still open for LeBron to return to Cleveland in 2024? Um, let me lay out the Cliff Notes version of this. LeBron's made it very clear that he wants to play with Bronny. Uh, he had a, it was a great profile last week in Sports Illustrated of him with Bronny and Bryce. He said he wants to play with Bryce too. And that's in 20, like 27 or something. Um, Bronny seems like the more realistic option. Uh, he'll be draft eligible in 2024. The Cavs in that Donovan Mitchell trade we discussed at the top kept their 2024 first round draft pick which feels intentional. Um, LeBron spoke highly of Kobe Altman and his roster building um, around All-Star Week, talking about this was before they even traded for Donovan Mitchell, uh, talking about Mobley, Garland, Jared Allen, all those guys. LeBron gave his seal of approval on the deal on Twitter for Donovan Mitchell. As long as LeBron's in the NBA, Cleveland's going to feel like a something of a possibility for him to return to. He's already done it. Uh, he's already left Miami to return to Cleveland. Having laid out all of that, LeBron, oh, and LeBron can opt out of his current contract the summer of 2024. So everything would be on the table. If Cleveland drafts Bronny, LeBron has said, money's not a factor at that point. I'll go wherever Bronny's drafted. So if Cleveland drafts Bronny and the, Le- I mean, is, are you worried at all about LeBron returning back to Cleveland? Yes, I was. That's a short answer. Uh, I was worried before they even traded for Donovan Mitchell. Um, even prior to that trade, I was, it just made, you know, it makes all the sense in the world. They have so many young pieces. Can he be the kind of, you know, knight in shining armor coming in the last leg of his career and, and, you know, compete for another title, potentially win another title for his hometown team? I mean, it's just the the script is there, right? I mean, I think it just makes too much sense. He's done it before. Uh, here to deliver this title here to the Lakers. So, you know, it, you know, from that perspective, I, I was already worried. He then signs the extension. So that kind of obviously, you know, he's here for a couple more years. And, you know, as far as connecting the dots go, you know, them having that pick in 24 and him being able to opt out there. I mean, you know, again, it just seems too obvious not to look at and be like, hey, especially if the Lakers are not in a position where they're, you know, considered the favorites going in or at least a top three, top five team. It'll be such an easy choice for him to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to hang them up in Cleveland. 
you know, alongside my son. Um, so, you know, I, again, that makes so much sense. Um, you know, and I, and I, the, does that mean that the, the premium for, for, you know, Bronny, you know, between the Lakers and the Cavs to see who gets them is that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Right. Cause if the Lakers obviously, uh, are able to draft them or they somehow manage to get their hands on them, that obviously guarantees that Bron's going to end his career here. And, you know, and it seems like he's going to break the, the points record here with us, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely concerned now with you, you putting Donovan Mitchell in the mix. I mean, they're going to be perfect, you know, for him to go in there and just, you know, do what he does and, and, and lead him to, to potentially another title. It'd be interesting to see. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at the 2024 draft now and where draft picks are owed. I would be surprised at this point, given what LeBron said, if anybody trades a 2024 draft pick. Because at least until people, I should say a 2024 first round draft pick, at least until people get a better sense of what type of prospect Bronny is. Because if it is as as LeBron says, and whoever drafts Bronny gets LeBron on a minimum, Bronny might become the number one pick because of that alone, depending on what, (laughs) like how good LeBron is. And this is a discussion we had when he first mentioned this back in February, um, how high do you draft Bronny if LeBron's coming with him? That ultimately comes down to how good LeBron is at that point. He's a cyborg, so it doesn't seem like he's ever slowing down. But it's going to be interesting to see how willing teams are to trade that 2024 draft pick if they still have it. Some of them don't. Some of them are like part of the Porzingis trade or part of the uh, Paul George trade or part of the AD trade, um, stuff like that. Like some guys, some franchises have already traded it away. Some still have them. So, uh, we'll see. I don't know that I would trade my 2024 first right now. Um, until I see how good Bronny is. So it's going to be interesting to, to see how all that plays out. Cleveland always worries me. Harrison tech or sent me a message about this, uh, kind of the idea of this when the Donovan Mitchell trade happened. And I kind of scoffed at it. I'm like, ah, LeBron signed an extension. Cleveland just lost all its cap space. And he replied with, well, LeBron already said like he's going on a minimum. And I thought, Oh damn. All right. Well now I'm a little more worried. Um, because that aspect right there, you literally don't need cap space. You just need a first round pick. And so, yeah, I, I'm worried about any team and what – I don't know what type of prospect Bronny's going to be. 2024 is a little far out to forecast draft picks, but the Lakers probably aren't going to have a first-rounder. So uh, I I will see how it plays out. We'll see how things go. Maybe LeBron doesn't immediately go to play with Bronny if it's a situation where he doesn't think that that team will win. Maybe he waits and goes at the end of his career. We'll see, but it's just something that's going to linger for for the next couple seasons. There's not really anything Laker fans can do about it. Um, It's just one of those things that we're going to have to get used to is that all this talk about Bronny and LeBron and where they're going to team up is going to happen because things just can't be normal with the Lakers for any extended time. So, It'll be uh, another storyline to follow. Alex, man, thanks a ton for coming on. 
let everybody know where they can uh, find your work at and find you out on, on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, um, Alex Torres underscore 11. Uh, and, you know, you can follow my writing over at uh, Lakers Outsiders, you know, dot com over there with uh, Donnie, uh, Hani and um, and a bunch of other people that do great work over there. So go check it out if you can. Yeah, a lot of us over at Silver Screen and Roll worked at or, or came from there. So go follow Lakers Outsiders if you guys have not already. We'll be back next week. I don't know that Russ is ever going to be traded. I'm not going to make any promises that he is going to be a Laker or not, but we'll have reaction to that regardless next week. Until then, be sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast and checking out all the content throughout the week.